Jamming? Why does it matter if it's serious, if it's happy, if it's sad? Jamming, it's a different jamming. Vibe. It's we a different be jamming. Vibe. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. You're listening to From the Laundry Room. I'm Damien. Hi guys, I'm Isa. And this is our first episode, so we just want to have some fun. That's why we're doing this, right, yeah, Isa? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why we're doing this. Just something fun to do during the pandemic while we're at home. Um, waiting for classes to start. Mine actually start tomorrow, so you have a whole month, right, before your I do. classes start. Do you have a, I do have a whole month, about a month. We're both graduate students, and so we're going to be busy. We just want to occupy ourselves, do something fun just for ourselves. So here we are. So how was your week? My week was so busy. We had all these like program stuff to do for the grad program I'm in. It was insane, but super fun. A lot of fun. I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed meeting my classmates. What about you, Damien? How was your week? Yeah, my week was good. I did find out I have coronavirus, and it's not really a big deal for me. I'm a pretty healthy individual. My yeah. symptoms are entirely mild, if at all existence. So uh, I've just been at home, been bored. We should say we are socially distancing right now. We are. So we have, I think, more than six feet between us. We're kind of like looking at each other from across the apartment. Yeah. But um, yeah, social distance protocols taking place. We're being safe as we record our very first episode of this podcast. That's true. The other thing that I've been occupying myself, no work, can't go to work. I work in retail. Can't do it right now. I'm off. I've been doing a lot of online dating. You've been doing online dating. That's right. Okay, so what apps are you on? I'm on two right now. Okay. I'm on Tinder, of course, because it's easy. It's sort of the original dating app that really exploded. But I'm also on Hinge. Okay, and how do you like Hinge? What's What are the pros and cons of both? Well, I, I can't get into a full discussion of it, but I will say Hinge, I think, is, is a little bit more serious. It's for serious for people. For sure. I feel the same A way. little bit more mature of a, of a population. And I think that, that that works well for me. But I, I do want to point out, you you like to make fun of me for all the things. <laughs> I make fun of It's because you're... The, the things you say when you message these girls, like if I got those messages, I would probably stare at it and be like, what do I say back? And <laughs> like, that's okay with me because I'm not really looking to impress anyone. Look, I'm not going to meet anyone. And even if I do meet anyone, where is it going to go? The ceiling is like two and a half. Yeah, the ceiling (laughs) is two and a half dates at best. And here's the thing: I did agree to meet someone. That's right. Oh my gosh! Tell that story, please, of how you got canceled on because yeah. So yeah. Don't tell my story. Sorry, (laughs) I was about to summarize it. Tell your story. I am listening. Yeah. So I agreed to meet someone. We kind of hit it off on Tinder, and let's call her just Girl A. Okay, so I, I, was, I agreed to meet Girl A, and I kept asking her, well, what are some great places to, to eat down here? Because I just moved here. And she's like, well, what kind of food do you like? I said, cheeseburgers. She's like, I love cheeseburgers. She gave me like a 10-point breakdown of best <laughs> cheeseburgers in town. And I said, this girl's pretty serious. I like that. And uh, she kept referencing, referencing cheeseburgers. I'm looking for someone to eat cheeseburgers with. I'm like, hey, I'm your guy. And so I finally say, well, do you want to get together and, 
and do, get some cheeseburgers. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, here's the thing. You're going to have to come pick me up in your car because <laughs> I just I just got a you bicycle. Don't have a car. I don't have a bike. I don't have a car. Eco-friendly and they're expensive. So I said, like, come pick me up. And she's like, okay, that's cool. And then about an hour before we were about to go, she messaged me and says, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to reschedule. My boss got us tickets to a baseball game and mind you this is in the middle during of a, a pandemic this is yeah in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic we're in college station texas which is a big town it's it's a little town it's a it's a big town it's, it's big not even a small town. city let's say okay right it's something like that right it's not huge okay not only like what baseball games are there around here not only at all that's the first question what baseball games are there what baseball games are there that you have to buy tickets to right the astros aren't playing yeah the rangers aren't playing very true okay i looked up on facebook that you night googled it i googled or you it. it i wanted to see what kind of baseball games there were maybe i'd <laughs> go little league or something see. yeah but what kind of yeah so anyway that's fine that's how it's going for me that that's that's pretty much the summary of yeah. what dating has been like yeah and and otherwise you know and that's okay that's okay so what kind of show we got today this week we're gonna be talking about goya we're gonna have a conversation about that and then we're gonna have isa's report card and finally we're gonna wrap it up with the spin cycle all right let's talk about goya let's talk about goya all right so on july 9th Goya Foods CEO Robert Unanue made some controversial remarks during a visit to the White House. Unanue was announcing Goya's donation of 1 million cans of chickpeas and 1 million pounds of food in support of the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative, which is an executive order from President Trump that focuses on improving educational and economic opportunities for Latinos in the United States. In his speech, Unanue drew some comparisons between Trump and his grandfather, Prudencio Unanue Ortiz. Great who, name. It's, an, it's such a strong name, isn't it? Good strong name. name, yeah. So he's the founder of Goya Foods. He said, um, Unanwe said, we're all truly blessed to have a leader like President Trump who is a builder and that's what my grandfather did. He came to this country to build, to grow, to prosper. Now, mind you, this event took place on a Thursday. By Friday, early afternoon, Goya, hashtag Boycott Goya, and hashtag Goya Way were trending on Twitter. Um, personally, I grew up on Goya. So my mom used their adobo and their sazón con azafrón. I eat their biscuits every... You've seen me eat their biscuits every morning with my coffee. I see you eat them and then not offer me any. Yes, you're right. <laughs> well, you have coronavirus. We can't, we can't share. Um, but, you know, Goya to me is my childhood. It's my mom's food. And it's not just me. Goya calls... It prides itself on being the nation's largest Hispanic-owned food producer. And according to the BBC, it's the only option for Latino food products in many grocery stores in the country. And honestly, I don't find this hard to believe. Uh, when I want to make my mom's food, if I want it to taste right, I literally have two options, Goya seasoning, or I try to recreate Goya seasoning with my own invention, which usually doesn't turn out very well. Um, so after clips of Unanwe's speech, once they like started, those these clips are circulating on the internet, people began calling for a boycott. Uh, you had people like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeting, he, she said, oh, look, it's the sound of me Googling how to make your own adobo. And then actor Lynn, why are you smiling? 
It's just funny. It is very funny. <laughs> After Lin Manuel Miranda, he said, I thought this one made me laugh. He said, We learned how to make had to bake bread during this pandemic, we can learn to make our own adobo con pimienta. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. Yeah. It's so sassy, so like full of attitude. But also, very true. Um, there seem to be two dominating opinions here. To boycott or not to boycott. And I can see both sides of the issue, honestly. Like over here, the first one is boycotting. The idea, the sentiment is that how can the CEO of a beloved brand and staple of pretty much majority, if not all, Latina households in the United States, how can the CEO support a president whose rhetoric about undocumented immigrants has incited discrimination and violence against Latinos? Many blame him or blame uh, President Trump's rhetoric as the instigating or the, the cause of the, the, you know, remember that attack that happened last year in El Paso at the Walmart? Yeah. Like they, they blame the yeah. rhetoric as the reason, the sole reason for why that happened. Yeah. So, and now we have the second opinion, which is to not boycott Goya. And based on what I saw, what I've been reading and seeing on social media um, and news outlets alike, I've been seeing that there's several reasons that go into why people are saying you shouldn't boycott Goya. The first one, which is the one that I kind of mentioned to you in passing, is that Goya employs a lot of Latinos. So mm-hmm. by boycotting Goya, by boycotting boycotting the company, essentially the people that would be most harmed are members of the Latino community. And then there's another uh, idea that is basically... This is what Unwanre said post-controversy. He basically said, was like, why is it okay for me to support one president and not another? And he, here he's referencing when um, the Obamas, or Michelle Obama, asked him to come out and support her initiative, My Plate, mm-hmm. which um, was in 2012. And as Unwanre put it, I didn't say no to the Obamas, and I didn't say that to President Trump. And lastly, Goya always gives back to the comp- uh, to the community. Like they have a program called Goya Gives, mm-hmm. and Goya Gives has supported the community through donations of products for many, many years. When Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico in 2017, killing over 3,000 people and like caused. I think it was like $91 billion in damages. Goya donated 1 million pounds of foods as part of hurricane relief efforts. And most recently, they donated 222,000 pounds of food to Venezuela, uh, uh, basically to help Venezuelans that have been impacted by COVID-19. And as you know, Venezuela right now is going through a very, very serious issue. Uh, They've been going through political unrest for like many many years so they have severe food shortages yeah so i mean there's just so many i could go on and on of how goya is given back to the community but it's basically like this is happening in an era where a lot of people are asking that companies not just say they support social causes but to walk the walk so to speak and it kind of seems like goya has been doing that and so when you look at it it's just kind of like shouldn't that be considered yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's become the space in between political parties or just political ideologies is getting seems to be getting bigger and bigger, right? And it's sort of the conversation has become not only agree with my policies, but if you disagree with my policies, you not only invalidate my beliefs, but in a way my existence. Yeah. And and I have sympathy for that because there is very real prejudice, racism, sexism, Oh, throughout course. our country's history and to the present day 
But for me, I think I, I have bigger things to worry about than what the president of Goya says about Trump. He's there at the invitation of the presidents, working on initiatives that we can all agree on, hunger, right, economic development. And supporting like, the Latino community. Supporting the Latino community. And so I don't agree with his policies, but I don't need him to think that to have the same beliefs on Trump that I do. And honestly, if Trump called me to the White House to help in something that I had that capacity to help in, I would probably go. Right. I don't know that I would make the same remarks on the Rose Garden that that uh, Unanwe said or made. But you go and you try to serve your country how you can. Yeah. No, I I think that you put that very beautifully. Um when you asked me if I would be boycotting Goya, my honestly, it I kind of grappled with that, especially the last time I went to HEB and I was I was looking for my Goya biscuits and I mm-hmm. couldn't find them. Honestly, I thought that HEB stopped carrying Goya products. I could not find them, but really there was just like two left and they were like in the back of a, a little thing. Because people are buying up Goya. People are buying up Goya. I see that on my Facebook. People are like buying up Goya. And so, I mean... There's people boycotting, not boycotting. But to me, it was kind of like, um, what do I do? Goya represents my childhood. Food is such a big part of Latino culture. And it's very true that if you want your food to taste authentic, you buy the adobo seasoning from Goya. And if I'm, I'm over here living in a different city as from my mom and I'm trying to make food, I'm not that much of a cook. But when I do try to cook, I want it to taste good and I want it to taste like the food I grew up eating. So boycotting Goya is... I don't know. It's like it seems difficult in that sense. But also when you think about what it represents and why people are boycotting. Yeah, it makes sense why people are doing it. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, there are very real problems exacerbated and caused by President Trump, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I get it. Yeah, I get it. Up next, Issa's scorecard. But first, a public service announcement from the laundry room. Hey, Issa. Hey, Damien. I made a pizza. You made pizza? Yeah, and it's really good, and I got it just right, and I'd love for you to have some. I want some pizza. You can't have any, because I have coronavirus. <laughs> Your test was inconclusive. It's presumed positive, presumed which positive. means all the delicious food I make this week, you can't have. <gasps> but that's not fair. Pizza's our thing. It is our thing, but you know what we don't want to be our thing? <laughs> what? Sharing coronavirus. Sharing coronavirus. All right, Issa, when we met, one of the first things you told me is that you have a background in marketing. Yes, I do. I have worked in the sports marketing industry for six years. Okay, so you're a little bit of an expert on what businesses might be doing with their marketing, with big business moves. So I'm really curious to find out what you think about some of these stories. Okay, so first story, Coca-Cola is rolling out a touch-free freestyle machine. Have you seen those machines, Damien? The ones like when you go with the big buttons? Yeah, Yeah, and you can like mix and match. Yeah, I never mix and match. I thought that was weird. But people do that. (laughs) I thought that was weird. Gotta mix and match. So basically, these touch-free freestyle machines uh, will allow people to be able to pour drinks by scanning a QR code on the machine without having to download an app, create an account, or sign up for something. Oh, that's the best. That stuff annoys me. Oh, when it's like free Wi-Fi, but oh you got to give your gosh, email? I get know. out of here. You're just trying to get my data. I don't like that. 
<laughs> so people can scan the code, beverage options pop up on their phone screen, and then they can pick which one they want to be poured into their cup. I don't know if they'll still be able to mix and match with that. We'll have to find out. Um, but the whole process takes just a couple of seconds. Right now, there are 52,000 freestyle machines, and the touchless technology will be available to 10,000 of them by the end of the summer, and then all the machines will have it by the end of the year. I think this is an A-plus in marketing. And when you, when you think about it, the pandemic has really impacted two industries mm -hmm. very, very severely, the restaurant industry and the entertainment industry. Yeah. And in turn, it has impacted Coca-Cola sales. Their sales, this past week, they reported the steepest quarterly sales in 25 years. And they- Steepest decline? Yeah, steepest decline mm. in sales in 25 years. So as restaurants open back up and people are exploring what a new normal looks like, it is most probable that consumers are gonna be wary of those self-serve uh, soda fountains and they might feel more comfortable. And it will also be like a point of marketing for a lot of restaurants if they can say, yeah, you don't have to touch this. It is touch-free. All you have to do is scan this QR code and it's contactless. So I think it's a great way for Coca-Cola to push for sales, especially when it comes to the restaurant industry and the entertainment as cinemas start opening up or movie theaters, as they say here in the United States. Um, so they're showing that they're still sensitive to the state of the world and they're employing some technology. Okay. I, that's a pretty good story. On a, and, and I agree with your general grade, but I don't, <laughs> I think the impact on health is going to be negligible. And I don't know how much people actually care about the soda machine when they're going to a restaurant in during the pandemic. So I think it's great. It's a, it's a nice move. But if someone's going to a restaurant where they are serving themselves anyway, I don't think they're too concerned about contracting the virus. Well, the a lot of restaurants have actually shut down their self-serve fountains. So they're just not offering the beverage options or they have very limited beverage options that they're offering people. So that has impacted the sales of Coca-Cola. But if they're able to offer some kind of like, hey, you can do this, you can get your soft drink without having to touch anything, then maybe restaurants will open that back up and it'll help sales all around. All right, the third story. The NBA came up with a creative way to get fans courtside during the season. They are partnering with Microsoft and Michelob Ultra to create a unique fan experience that still allows for social distancing. Have you heard about this, Damien? I've heard of uh, different leagues doing different things. I'm not sure I know this one. Okay, so coming from a sports marketing background, I thought that this was really, really cool. It was very innovative. They will be using Microsoft Teams video conferencing platform to allow 300 fans, so it's 150 fans per team, to appear on the sideline video board during the game. They're using a feature of the platform called Together Mode, which uses AI generation, oh, sorry, AI segmentation technology to place participants in a shared background to make it feel like everyone's in the same room. So they're going to have 300 fans seated in a virtual arena, and they'll be able to interact with one another as though they're actually in the stadium. Uh, which is going to be a very, very cool visual. I can't wait to see what that looks like. Michelob Ultra is the video board sponsor, and they're going to have prizes for fans who get to participate in the experience. And for the fans that aren't able to participate, they will be able to take part in virtual cheering as they, um, as they play games. So they'll be able to do that through Twitter or the NBA app. The NBA did recognize that this is a learning process. There is no precedence on this. 
type of in-game experience. So there's likely to be many tweaks and some pain points that they're going to work through um, as they go along. So I really can't wait to see how this plays out. For now, I give them an A- minus for effort. Final grade is pending uh, execution. If it is terrible execution, then that grade will probably drop. But for now, I think the concept is awesome. Yeah, I think the NBA is doing some cool things to try to still have a great in-game experience. So I look forward to that as well. Finally, how about a story of hope from the National Football League? Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. He's the only active medical doctor in the NFL. Has officially opted out of the 2020 NFL season because of concerns over the pandemic. He's quoted as saying, I cannot allow myself to potentially transmit the virus in our communities simply to play the sport that I love. If I am to take risks, I will do it caring for patients. And Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was scheduled to make $2.75 million this year, but now he's going to make a league settled $150,000. So quite a big pay cut. I want to compare this to something. You know when you're driving down the road and you hear an ambulance, you hear sirens, and you look around, and you see that an ambulance is coming up behind you. What do you do? You pull over, you get out of the way. You pull over and you get out of the way. Why do you do that? It's the law, and you have to do that, and we don't want to get fined. But whenever I'm pulling over, and I see everyone else pulling over as well, I like to think that it's all of us coming together in agreement that what the ambulance is doing is more important than what we're doing. That for 30 seconds or a few minutes, I can sacrifice my time. Even if I'm on the way to work or to some important meeting, I can pull over, and we can all help the person who the ambulance is going to go help. We can all help them out. It's the community coming together. That's the way I want to think about our response to this pandemic. It is a personal sacrifice to wear a mask. Am I annoyed when I forget my mask and I have to go back home? Yes, it is annoying. Do I want to go to a restaurant? Yes. Is dating harder? Yes, of course. But if I really love my community, this is, I think, the best way to show it. This is the best way to make the community better. that's our show. Thanks for listening. Right now, you can find us on Spotify and Anchor, but soon you'll see us on other platforms. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at From the Laundry Room. Until next time, remember, we are in the laundry room. <laughs>